Hey, hey, hey. 7.43 Monday morning. I believe it's February 11th, 2019. I'm starting the podcast a bit early. So you can hear Bud. Bud's the star of the show, but you don't really get to hear from him. Hopefully what you can hear is Bud eating his dog food. So quite a, it's a funny thing. Quite often I get ready to give him a walk. He, he won't eat his breakfast for an hour. And then as soon as I get ready to take him for a walk, he decides, I'm going to eat my food. <laughs> so, so here he is. Right, bud? Is it good? Oh, yeah. Crunch that food. Crunch. It's almost gone. It's almost gone, bud. Here, let's leave a little bit for when we come back. Okay? It's all right, bud? So... Leash. Gotta have a leash for the bud. Oh, here we are. And we head out for the back gate. Of course. So, um, this podcast, I think I have the title of this episode already. Not, it's called Not My Story to Tell. Okay, I don't know. I came up with it because for the first time ever on the podcast, I, I didn't go as far as to edit a podcast, but I just decided to delete it. So on Saturday morning, I got a little crazy. No, I don't know if it's crazy, but I just, I was doing a podcast, walking bud on Saturday morning, and... I ended up talking about some things from my wife's family and I decided, you know what? It's really not my story to tell. She's got some, uh, I um, learned some things from her cousin that came in from Vegas this weekend for my uh, son's reception party. Um, celebrating his surprise wedding with his friends. So that's cool. That's that's podcast worthy. That's that's podcast material. But I along with that, you know, I I don't see this cousin very often. Um, but I, you know, I'm getting some more of the family history that goes way back to the 1930s in Hungary. And it it's sort of my story to tell in some respects because it impacts me a little bit. Um, maybe not directly, but there's, there's, you know, it has impacts. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the advice of a good communicator and let that marinate with me and talk to my wife about it, get her viewpoints. Not that I'm going to tell her story exactly, right? It's still going to be my story to tell, but I, I think I've just felt like Saturday in the deleted podcast forever lost at least as far as I know I did have one person listen to it so it was up for about three hours maybe six hours and I woke up in the middle of the night and I said you know I think I better delete this podcast and I did but I there's one person out in the world out of seven billion people that had access Yes, people, 7 billion people have access to this podcast. Can you believe it? Isn't that awesome? Man, the wisdom that comes from Arizona, the deserts of Arizona, and the wisdoms that come being transmitted from walking buddy to my brain. So most of the podcast Saturday was probably really valuable, good, but I also know that I can repeat most of it now and leave off the three or four minutes that got kind of controversial and and uh, where I decided I need to let this marinate a little bit more and more importantly see what my wife thinks about the subject before I start 
incorporating it into my public verbalization of it. So I don't know if that's mature of me. I think so, but, you know. And it probably, it really wasn't, quote, I mean, in my mind, of course, it wasn't bad. But this is the tricky thing about perceptions. And um, I have 50 years of thought related to subjects that I pay attention to. And not everybody, 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 not everybody shares my experiences, thoughts, and so forth. And in a philosophical way, it's kind of interesting, too, that I was thinking, you know, I read, there's certain books that I get attracted to, certain subjects that just fascinate me, and then I, I, I dig into those. But I, I, I have to remind myself that some of those subjects, or most of them probably, are unique to me, and most people don't get into it, so to speak, like I do. So, I'm trying to be more sensitive, and as one person, uh, a really great communicator said, just stay a half a step ahead. Don't get, don't get two or three steps ahead of people because you lose them. But um, probably most of people, I mean, there's 7 billion people on the planet, so if only like 10 people listen to this podcast and they've listened to it on a regular basis, they probably relate to some of the things I'm saying or kind of have maybe similar interests not sure and that's good and the other thing too with seven billion people on the planet there's probably a million people or five hundred thousand that are like right in line with my somewhat train of thought and um, I hesitate hesitatingly deliver that those words because you know what is my what is my train of thought right I mean you know if you've listened to the, a few of these you know it's a random expression of my thoughts and that's dangerous you know expressing your thoughts is dangerous but there's nobody here I don't get any feedback so I usually look at <clears throat> and at the audience and I'm like am I is this communicating and more than likely it doesn't, and so maybe I get the feeling like, hey, this is like way over, not, not that it's genius material or smart or more intelligent, it's just my way of thinking is just different. And, and it's not even my way of thinking, it's just, it's just who I am, and, um, which was a major part of the deleted podcast that I just did. The major part of the deleted podcast, or the theme, was about a gentleman named Jerry Weintraub, who was a music producer and a um, promoter for artists like Frank Sinatra, rock and roll bands, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin. He, he would put on, he would go and set up these venues for concerts in cities and do stadium concerts, and he was one of the first guys to do that. That was Jerry Weintraub, and really funny guy. He later went on to do movies like Ocean's Eleven and some others. I don't know his entire body of work, but probably the the best in, introduction to Jerry is his book. It's kind of like a biography of his life and uh, full of funny stories throughout his life. And it's called, uh, When I Stop Talking, You Know I'm Dead. <laughs> so, so apparently, well, that, that communicates to me that the dude loves to tell stories and talk. And who do you think relates to that? That's me. I, I really relate to that. Why not? I'm walking my dog, and I'd rather talk to you folks, right? So... I love Bud, but I don't give him my full attention when I'm walking. I kind of process my thoughts and share them with with the world. And uh, morning. Here's a big doggy. Oh, it's Buster. You're all wrapped up. I didn't recognize you. <laughs> what is it? Forty-four degrees out here. 
Barb, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I don't like cold. Yeah, well, we're, we're in the right place for not liking cold. Yeah, yeah, I like to say, uh, I have like three layers. Oh, wow, three blankets, layers. And huh. I have this, this, yeah. and another um, hoodie. Yeah, yeah. And then t-shirt and everything, so yeah. Well, good, good, more. yeah. Yeah, and then I get too hot if I do too much. <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't. Yeah, yeah. But mostly I'm doing this weightlifting, which I really like. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know how to do it. So I had to. um, I'm trying this um, personal trainer thing. Uh huh. So I only do like a half hour a week, but then I repeat what he teaches me. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So So I go. I. Well, no, I go to the LA Fitness. Oh, okay. So I go there and I go three times a week, and I kind of follow whatever they tell me to do. And it's, I've been doing it since July, and I think today I weighed in probably about 50, over 15 pounds lower. Really? Just, you know, from weight. I am running a little bit, but not as much as I used to. Yeah. But I think the lifting is helping me run as well, so. Sure. Yeah, I, I can't do the jogging anymore. No? It just hurts. I, I have too much going on with my hip what? Well, I encourage you to try out. I never, I haven't been a gym person or lifting yeah. person, but yeah. I started just last July, and I, I'm now. I think it's amazing. Wonderful. So, yeah. well, they tell you too. The main thing, message I would say is like, you put on some muscle, and then that muscle burns calories. Yeah. So the reason I'm losing weight is because I'm putting on, hopefully, five pounds, let's say, of muscle, uh-huh. and then that muscle burns 50 calories per pound per day. So you're, you're, it's, it's helping. Yeah. And it didn't, it took about six months to get to where now it's like dropping. Like, it's like, wow, what's going on? You know? So try it out. Can't, won't, can't hurt you. (laughs) As we all say, as Christians, I'll have to pray about that. Well, (laughs) my good cop out. (laughs) And if you ever want me to go with you and show you around, I'll do it. I, lo- I swear, I, it's fun. It's good. Okay. And it's only like you can get in there in 60 minutes and get out. So. That's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Bye. Spreading the word of fitness. Never too late to learn, I guess. Right? I'm well over 50 and just started lifting weights. I probably tried it as a kid, but when you're 20, 30... And you're lifting weights, you don't, I don't know, I don't think you see the, I may have talked about that, you don't really see the improvement from it. Like you you get a little bit older and your body's wearing down and you're achy and, and then you start lifting weights. Wow, then you're like, whoa, this is amazing. So that's my current experience with that. Back to Jerry Weintraub. So when I stopped talking, you know I'm dead. Crazy title. Very memorable. And uh, it's stories. I think it's called the subtitle is Stories from a Very Persuasive Man. <laughs> so, so I guess you read the stories and you get the point that he's a promoter and he sells stuff. He's creative. He comes up with uh, great ideas. Very funny guy. And... Um, you know, one of my favorite stories is his Frank Sinatra story. How <clears throat> Frank is um, doing uh, Vegas. He's playing Vegas, and he's—I don't know—he's done six months, eight months into it, and he's bored. And he calls Jerry up from uh, L.A. and says, "Hey, Jerry, you got to get up here. You got to get up here, Jerry. I can't do this anymore." <laughs> so, <laughs> so who who would have thought that, right? You go to a show like Frank does, and these performers are on stage. They're on for like two hours or whatever they do. They're it, it must uh, you know they 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 drain themselves of energy when they're performing, right? They're up there doing their thing, and we as the audience we come in and we sit down and we're excited, and you know the show starts, and for two hours we get entertained, and the uh, entertainers giving it all. And then we go home and we th- we are impacted for a week or whatever. We have a great memory. We go, wow, that was great. Because Frank Sinatra brought his best 
you know, he, he brought his breast. But then now Frank, from his perspective, he's up there every day doing the same songs over and over again and trying to deliver, deliver his best to the, the audience. And that's cool, you know. And so we, in some ways, we probably think, well, gee, he only works two hours a day. <laughs> but realistically, think of the hours and days and weeks and months of preparation and just experience over the years. And he makes it look easy, right? Of course, we sit there, we're entertained, and, you know, we might get nightish, that good old German word I love. Nightish. Envious, jealous, oh, Frank. He's making all this money, all Frank. Wow. Poor Frank. Who's, who's going to feel sorry for Frank? But Frank's bummed out, man. He's depressed because he's bored with it. So Jerry comes up there and he's like, I got to keep, I got to, I got to encourage Frank. I got to keep him excited. I got to get him excited. I got to, he can't just quit. Frank can't just quit. I know he's bored. So, we're, all right, I'll, I'll come up here to Vegas and he's talking to Jerry. Um, Jerry's talking to, to Frank and there uh jerry's like okay well i hear you frank you're obviously depressed so jerry's the the cogs in jerry's head start spinning he's trying to think about okay what can i what can i do to encourage frank and help him keep going and he uh he comes up with this idea and he he presents it to frank while they're sitting there he goes hey frank frank here's here's what we're gonna do we're gonna go. We're gonna go play Madison Square Garden, okay? So we're gonna go to Madison Square Garden and we're gonna do do an event. And Frank sits back and he goes, "Why? Well, I've already done Madison Square Garden. That, that, that's nothing new. That's not different." And Jerry says, "Oh, but but we're gonna do it live. <laughs> we're." We're gonna go do Madison Square live. <laughs> so, you, so then Frank's like, "What do you mean we're gonna do it live? All, all my shows are live." <laughs> so Jerry, Jerry, you can tell in the story. He's, he's such a great storyteller. He's 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 telling the story as it happened. You know, this is how how this conversation went with Frank. And uh, and you can tell Jerry's kind of scrambling for what to do. He's like. You know, he gets dragged out to Vegas from from L.A. to help his buddy out. And he's probably like, oh, for, you know, come on, Frank, just 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 buckle it up, man. Just strap it on and let's go do your shows for another couple months or whatever he's got. But Jerry's trying to help him out. So they're going to do Madison Square Live. And Frank's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. So then Jerry has to come up with something to twist it or spin it around. He's like, oh, I know. Okay, Frank, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make it like... A boxing ring. You're gonna come out. You don't have to do any preparation. You don't do any practices. It's just gonna be you. It's gonna be called the main event. It's gonna be in Madison Square Garden. We're gonna put a boxing ring in there, and you're gonna come out like a boxer, like a champion. You're gonna come out, you know, and and just sing your songs in the Madison Square Garden. We'll do it live on TV across the nation, not not just live in the stadium, but we're gonna we'll we'll broadcast it live across the whole country. Oh, now, now Frank's getting excited now. <laughs> so who would have thunk it, right? We, you know, we all know who Frank Sinatra is, right? But even Frank has some, some uh, downtime, some, some moments of doubt, or uh, just uh, needs some encouragement, right? Even the great Frank Sinatra. So that, that's in the book. That is a great chapter in the book. It is called, once again, the book is When I Stop Talking, You Know I'm Dead. Hilarious guy. And unfortunately, he has stopped talking, except for on YouTube, because unfortunately, Jerry's life did eventually come to an end. But he had a wonderfully rich and fulfilling life. And... Uh, and can't we all? I mean, that, that's, that's the message. There's some people talk about the, what is it, abundant thinking or something like that. Or there's some phrase about um, 
I forget. It's it's just instead of fixed mindset, um, growth mindset, or there's some other word for it, it comes across as some kind of like new agey spiritual thing. But in the reality of it is, it's basically not being envious, right? Not being coveting, not being neidish. Don't nicht neidish sein, as the Germans would say. Nicht neidish. And uh, it's just enjoying Jerry. He's, he's his own person. And so is the listener. So you're listening to this podcast. You have your gifts, whatever they are. Go find your gifts and your outlier gifts, stuff that comes naturally to you. You do really well. You just don't realize it. And um, go do those outlier things you do. Do them well. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. You don't have to have a conversation with Frank to enjoy life. You can read, read the story. And my uh, observation is it's good to have some close friends that you can call up and say, hey, man, I'm bummed about this. I'm kind of feeling bummed. And hopefully you have a friend like Jerry that can come over and kind of reframe the whole thing. Frank's still, <laughs> Frank's still gonna be singing the same old songs, right? But his mindset's changed. And all of a sudden he feels better about it. <laughs> so if you step back and look at it, he's like, nothing's changed. Frank's still gonna have to go out that night in Vegas and sing the songs again. But now he feels better because he's got something to look forward to. So we can either, you know, sometimes we're Frank and hopefully we can be Jerry's to people, you know, go encourage people. And uh, yeah, so that book is, wow, full of stories. and and. I, I think on my d- deleted podcast, I talked about how I discovered that book because an interesting side story is there's an internet guy who's probably pretty annoying, but he's kind of charming and annoying. So I kind of love him, right? And plus, I'm trying to follow my love everyone always thing. So there's a guy named Ty Lo- Lopez, and he's on the internet and um, shows up in all kinds of social media, and he's always kind of selling something right so usually what he sells is like his brand is he's he's the read a book a day guy so he'll tell you like you know well who who am i i'm the read a book a day guy so you know people can't believe like anybody can read a book a day and he uh very eloquent about his opinions and one of his uh so i paid attention to him for a while it's kind of interesting he kind of one of the things i got a kick out of his um health, wealth, um, and I forgot him, it's been so long. Something like health, wealth, something, and happiness. Health, wealth, ah, dang, I can't remember. But he's got some of these things, and I, it's like there's four of them. Health, wealth, happiness. <laughs> I can't remember the other one or not. But there, there's a fifth one, which is, you know, peace of some kind of spiritual peace. It's okay to have health, wealth, and happiness, but you gotta, we got to have some spiritual peace and things so bud we're not going to walk out the guys are working it's monday morning there's trucks out here finishing up this highway for the next few months so you know progress we got to have a new highway additional highway it's okay it's gonna be good be a little noisy bud hey buddy's chasing a truck come on we're not going to chase a truck so there's a trick behind as you listen to Ty, there's a trick behind reading the books, and basically, it's um, he his he reads a book quickly, and he and he looks for the nuggets, the gems, the things, and he's got a list of like 150 books that he recommends to read, and they're really actually pretty good books, and so this was one of them. And one of the ways he kind of quote unquote reads the books a day is he does reads about 30 minutes in the morning or does something like that. And then maybe during the day he reads something else. And then at night he usually, like he says, he likes to read biographies. So this is one of the biographies that he really loved for nighttime reading, you know. So read a little biography about other people at night. So I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll read this book. And it turned out to be so funny and so fun to read. And uh, back to Ty's book reading a day. He's like, well, there's usually like in a 150-page book, there's probably 
10 pages worth of like really good nuggets, good information. But he, he's like, he's like, well, no one's going to buy a 10 page book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they usually put anecdotal information in there, stories and blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you can, you can find the gems and the nuggets pretty quickly and read, read that. So, so technically he's not speed reader thing and he'll probably, I think he talked about speed reading and getting better, but the essence of it is, Hey, flip through the book, find the, look for the nuggets. They usually show up pretty easily. And that's your, that's the message of the book. Yeah. There's 150 pages and we're obviously as children were taught to read, you know, from beginning to end and blah, blah, blah. And then, the, I mean, this, this works well for nonfiction, of course. Fiction books, you almost have to read every word because the story is fiction. So you don't know where the, the gems are, right? And I'm no um, writing expert, but I know some people who are. <laughs> That's always good to know, right? Know some experts. And that, that kind of fits in with Ty's mentoring concept too, is have mentors. And at first people, you know, you think like, oh, who's going to be my mentor thing? And he brings up a good point. He says, books, books can be your mentors, right? So he's, he's having, he suggests reading some really good books and each person who's written these books is, can sort of become your mentor. So for you younger people who are out looking for mentors, so go read some books and uh, go look for Ty's. 150 books to read. There's many good ones in there. I think I probably read 10 of them only. So that's kind of, it kind of fits in well with the, uh, the way he reads a book. So he has 150 and I read 10 of them. Those, I got the nuggets right there. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back and read some more of those other books too. There are probably some, some really good stuff in there. Oh, is it health, wealth, love, and happiness? I guess that's what it is. Health, wealth, love and happiness. So there's got a fifth one in there. It's some kind of uh, health, wealth, love and happiness. I think I had one smart alecky response to add a fifth, but really I, when I, on November, no, get this out on November 5th, I'm going public now. November, November 5th of this year, 2019, I'm going to launch my book. So I got some helpers. We're going to launch a book which currently is titled The Six Sola. But, you know, I, I've been told that I need to go with the developmental editor and listen to what they have to say about my book. So the announcement is made with great fanfare in front of Buddy, my audience of Buddy, walking across the street to the other sidewalk. How's that? Was that an amazing announcement? <laughs> oh gosh. So, so, um, Jerry Weintraub, great stuff. So there's another story in the book about Ocean's 11 and the end of his life. And, um, this is my story to tell, <laughs> not as opposed to the other one I was going to tell. Um, so in Ocean's 11, I think it's Matt Damon, George Clooney, and some other hunky actor. I don't know who, but three three cool actors, right? And then Jerry, and they they're I don't know if they were in Asia or Europe or something, but they were getting on a a private jet, and we love the private jets. And uh, they're gonna be on the plane. I don't know six, eight hours. I don't know what it is. It's in the book. I I could review it, but the the gem or the nugget of the story is is how they pranked Jerry so these young guys young actors Jerry's probably 60 65 and they're all excited who who wouldn't be excited right getting on a corporate jet private jet nice big leather seats and you're uh you're flying privately man it's all you so fan, awesome machines political side note is we need billionaires because billionaires can buy corporate jets and 
there are many thousands of people that build that jet. And that's good work. They're beautiful, corporate jet. It's a beautiful thing. It's a piece of art. I, didn't, my, I tried my sales pitch on this guy in um, Seattle that has an art gallery, but he also owns his own corporate jet. So I called his secretary and tried to get a meeting with him. And I said, hey, tell him I want to talk to, talk to him about his most expensive piece of art. <laughs> what, a, what a classic line, right? I mean, the guy's into art. I mean, I did, I did some quote-unquote business stalking of the guy, like what's his background and stuff like that. And this is an unplanned story, like most of them are on the Walk in the Dog podcast. But So I try to get the message to the, the owner that I want to talk to him about his most, most expensive piece of art, which is like a $20 million plane, you know. And I want to save him like a million dollars in the next five years. And, uh, you know, no interest, no interest. You know, he, he either doesn't look at his corporate jet as a piece of art or he just doesn't care. So anyway, I'm not doing that business anymore anyways, but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> There's a lot of depth behind that. I have a lot of knowledge in that area, but just let's go with the, the humor of that. So George Clooney and the guys are getting on the plane with Jerry. They're happy. It was had probably had something to do with promoting Ocean's Eleven or something. So they, they got two bottles of vodka out there and they're uh, pouring Jerry some vodka and and uh, everybody else is drinking together and it looks like Jerry's trying to keep up with the young guys, you know, drinking vodka. And they they keep they're all smiling, laughing as Jerry tells it. And uh turns out that one of those one of those two bottles had water in it. So all the funny guys like Clooney and Matt Damon and the other guy were pouring pouring Jerry the real stuff, the real vodka, while they were pretending to drink vodka, but were actually drinking regular old water. So so that was a funny story because Jerry kind of probably overdid it there. And uh, everybody else had a good laugh at Jerry's expense. So I, I did a modified version of that Friday night, which was on the podcast Saturday morning, which was deleted. And uh, it was kind of an impromptu, unplanned. But I could, I, I could tell the story was in uh, my mind. because so I'm kind of like, oh, I can, I can do something like this right now. So a couple weeks ago, I bumped into this beer from Lagunitas called, um, I kind of like the 12th of Never, which is a really fun story too, but 12th of Never is a, is a beer they have, but they also have this beer that came out with a um, limited edition or, I don't know, limited release or something called um, Undercover Investigation Shutdown Ale, right? Undercover investigation shut down Alan. I see it on the shelf at the Safeway. I'm looking at it right where the twelfth of never should be. And there was no twelfth of never, so I look at it. Oh, what's what's this undercover investigation? And the the container says something about two thousand and five Saint Patrick's Day massacre, they call it. And I'm like, well, what what is this beer? Ale shut down. 9.7% alcohol. Are you kidding me? 9.7% alcohol. And so for those of you who don't imbibe in alcohol in the podcast, a typical Budweiser probably has 4% alcohol, a Budweiser, but a fairly even, um, I ended up buying a 12-pack of um, Beck's. Beck's is a German beer. And, you know, you might think, well, a German beer must be strong, but it was only 5%. So, so essentially I had Bex at 5%. And 
in this um, shutdown ale at uh, 9.7. So almost double. So we had some guests from Vegas coming in for my son's uh, reception party on Saturday. And um, which I'm really proud of my son is I really like the way he did it. He and his wife did the wedding and surprise wedding and followed it up with a nice reception. So that was pretty good about a month later. So it's all good. So they, they were nice enough to come down from Vegas and I haven't seen them in like, I don't know, 15 years or so. And they're a bit different, right? So they're, you don't know them, but they're, they're different. And I'm using my love everyone always thing because we should love everyone. So they're staying at our house. It's cool. So they drive down six hours. They're kind of tired. And Tony is uh, the husband from Chicago with Chicago accent and very uh, opinionated about things. His parents came over from Hungary. They were Germans after World War II. Uh, they kind of got booted around. So that's getting close to the story is that's not mine to tell, but someday I'll let that marinate. <laughs> There's more details to that, but I'll let those marinate and get to them. But then he is a peculiar guy like we all are, right? And uh, so a Polish gal came over to Chicago and she's quite funny, Yolanta. So they're, they have their cultural experience, right? So they're, uh, they're different. So I'm thinking, well, Tony, I know he doesn't mind drinking. So I'm thinking, well, let's see if maybe Tony will have a beer. Maybe I can give Tony, get Tony on these undercover investigation beers. And then uh, he's like, oh, no, I, I'm gluten-free now. I, I have some digestive issues, so I don't drink beer anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, Yolanta, how about you? <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, sure, I have a beer. I have a beer. <laughs> She's got a really cute Polish accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't imitate it right now. So she she gets a beer. I get one, too. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to have one of these. I know that these things are uh, a bit sweet tasting. They don't taste alcoholy or medicine-y. So I'll have one with her. But that's all I'm going to have because I... <laughs> I'm done with that. One is enough. So, but but she doesn't know that. So, she has a beer, and I'm kind of watching her. She she, you know, drinks it, enjoys it. It must have tasted well enough to say, "Hey, let me have a second. Let me have another beer, Mike." I'm like, "Sure, sure." So I go out, get her another one of the 9.7 beers, and then I switch to Bex, which is only five percent and I bring her beer in pour in a glass and I take the bottle away so she doesn't get too wise about what's going on <laughs> so she finishes number two so she has number two and I have my second beer you know and then and then uh, she's like hey Mike uh, let me let me have a third beer let me have another beer I'm like okay I'll get you a beer so I'm I'm kind of chuckling to myself as this is going on, and it it it's it goes on for that's probably into we're getting close to two hours of chatting. We're sitting in the backyard. I got a little fire going, talking about family stuff and just talk, just enjoying because we have visiting with each other and catching up on things. And uh, I'm watching her glass out there, and she finishes three and. She's like, Mike, you are getting me drunk. <laughs> so, so I'm like, uh, well, would you like a fourth beer? <laughs> kind of ignoring the, anything. So uh, she's like, oh, okay, I have a fourth beer. So I, I go, this is great, man. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> And truth be told, I, I actually had, the week before, I know how nasty these things are, because I had like six on a Friday night over like four or five hour period. And I was 
I was still able to do my chores on Saturday, you know, but I wasn't, I wasn't uh, feeling real chipper. So I know what six can do to you. You can still survive the next day, but you probably won't feel awesome, right? So uh, she gets number four down, and I'm like, I think she can do one more. <laughs> it's like me. I'm deciding now, like, I think she can do number five. <laughs> and I get her number five. She wasn't, it wasn't too much of a, it wasn't too hard of a sell. But, uh, so I got her number five. So basically I did the Jerry Weintraub story on Yulanta. So uh, the next morning she's like, I hate you, Mike. <laughs> she says with a smile, <laughs> and, but she survived. And uh, I, 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 I don't think I really apologized, did I? I just said, I love you. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of sins, as they say in the Bible, right? So I love Yolanta. I told her that, you know, and I just said, hey, now you have something in common with George Clooney. So so it's kind of her, she has her story to tell, and it's probably different than mine. <laughs> Bud, what do you want to do? What are you doing? You want to go back over here? Oh, what are you doing? He's like, we walked across the street. Because he seemed to want to do that. Now he wants to walk back. Okay. So um, she she has a story to tell. And she did well. So we didn't. We took care of her. And now she has a great story to tell. George Clooney's story, right? Something in common with George Clooney, Matt Damon, Jerry Weintraub. So... Um, that was kind of it. There was, this is a, I wouldn't say this is an edited podcast, but it's definitely a, like a second time through. Like I kind of talked about these subjects 48 hours ago, but um, I included something that I probably didn't want to include. So that, that story may come up later. I need to let it marinate for a while. So... We're about five minutes away from reaching our home. Howdy. Some of the dogs, dog with a red jacket on. It is about 45 degrees out here. It's a little chilly. Arizona sky though, blue, not a cloud around. And uh, gonna go to the introduction to joy, right? Do we want joy in our lives? So, uh, March 23rd, here in Mesa, a special speaker, the communicator, the Robcast, the man. He's uh, coming to town. I didn't know much about this guy. He's, uh, you know, he gets a reputation as being a heretic, of, of all things, in the religious communities I kind of hang out with. And... Uh, my favorite football team, if you remember, is the Green Bay Packers with the quarterback QB1, as they say sometimes. QB1 is Aaron Rodgers. QB1. And apparently Aaron Rodgers has had some experience with Rob Bell or talked to him or something or quoted Rob Bell or says that he thinks Rob Bell is kind of interesting. I don't know. So Seattle, this is all about sports. This is a guy thing. So the youth pastor in our church, who's really not youthful, he's about 35. Pretty good dude. Pretty good dude. We love him. We love everyone always, right? So he kind of was trying to take a little jab at me, you know, saying, oh, you got that, that Rob Bell quarterback. Rob Bell. I forgot the exact circumstances, but... What I remember is it was a jab because, you know, Rob Bell's apparently a heretic. And uh, I didn't know much about him, really. And I missed it. I guess it was back in the late 2000s, 2008, 9, 10, 11 or something. There was something called the emergent church controversy. And I don't know. You probably can Google it. 
And I'm not, I just kind of ignored it. I'm like, I don't even, what are these people talking about in a virgin church? And uh, it's like, I really don't care to get involved in that. So whatever it was, I didn't know what it was. And I think he was involved in it somehow, but it's, it's, it's a label. It's a description of something. I, I don't think it's that active, except for people that want to argue against Rob Bell. They'll just dismiss him and say, oh, he's part of that emergent church thing. You know? So uh, the guy's taking shots at QB1. And you can't, you can't take shots at my QB1, Aaron Rodgers, without me doing some investigation, right? So unbeknownst to him, he basically steered me into studying about Rob Bell. So uh, it's one of those Genesis experiences. He meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So I am listening to Rob Bell, and I think he's fantastic. Fantastic dude. Interesting dude. I'm not in, in the... The danger in all these religious things is that a lot of them have insecurities, like the like a thirty year old pastor coming out of a seminary, and they've been told like, "Well, this is the best cemetery seminary in in the whole world, and we teach you the correctly, and you now have have bestowed with the knowledge that only you have, and now it's your job to." transmit this knowledge to to the masses and get the message out so the pastors stand up there and give their sermons on sunday morning and i i realized i i kind of resisted that there was something in me that kind of like i I don't know i think these guys think too much of themselves they're too important and and then they uh they kind of want you to be dependent on them i think and i finally realized in the last couple years like i gotta I gotta do my own readings, my own studying, my own interaction with God. I can't just show up on Sunday morning and like, okay, I'm here for an hour, sing a few songs, talk to me for 30 minutes, and I'm good to go. You know, it's just a, that's that's kind of the formula right now in the U.S. You know, and they'll they'll probably deny it too. There's this whole my whole black slice concept, is they don't realize their black slice is that they're making people dependent on them and their knowledge when. Really, it's just pointing us all to, we'll start with the scriptures, right? Because that's a safe comment, you know. You've got to read the Word. It's such a common expression, read the Word. Well, there's a couple of interesting things about read the Word. Is One is, Jesus himself, a person, has been described as the Word. So maybe there's a relationship there. Maybe when someone says, just casually just throws out, read the Word, then... Uh, Maybe it's more. Maybe there's some depth to it. Maybe there's a relationship with God there. And then the other thing is, of course, what read the Word, but what, what's the overall message? We, the, the tendency is to dive deep into like a few sentences and talk about a few sentences for 30 minutes and then have some kind of agenda. The pastor has some kind of agenda, which is the real thing. And they just use a couple of verses to to use as their agenda um, item. So that's kind of like the, if you step back and look at the organized religion and the seminaries and the, the standard practice. It's rare to have an authentic speaker, authentic, real, real life interaction and to go beyond the Sunday morning experience. So... So this guy inadvertently directed me to this guy, and he's fun. And he's gonna come to town, he does tours, and he's gonna talk about the introduction to joy. And he'll probably, it'll be amazing, because he'll probably speak for 120 minutes or nearly two hours. And I'm sure I will enjoy every every bit of it, because that's his craft, as he calls it. His craft is to speak, communicate, have some fire. As he says, fire and flow and witness. So those are some foundational 
foundational um, communication concepts and also the existential urgency. So you don't know this, but I'm coming up to about a minute or two of finishing my walk and I kind of need to wrap this up. So on Facebook, the, uh, the young lad who was thinking he's steering me away from Rob Bell, but actually, because I'm just a contrarian kind of person, I, um, I took an interest in the guy. So he's coming. I got tickets. And uh, he, uh, I almost bought tickets for this guy and I still have one or I may end up having one that he can come along. And, uh, and we'll see how that goes, but uh, it's, it's not that impertinent. It's my, my role in life is not to convince this guy that he needs to agree with this guy like 80% because he probably agrees with him 0% right now. But it's okay to agree with people 80%, right? Black slice, think black slices. So, introduction to Joy, I put, he had a nice picture of himself and his 18-month-old son, and I just basically hinted, you know, being the subtle jabber that I am. I said, hey, looks like you guys are ready for, quote, the introduction to Joy, because it was a nice picture. And I said, coming to Mesa March 23rd. So, it's it's confusing enough so that if he... He researches it. He'll go, what is Mike talking about? Introdu the introduction to joy, March 23rd. What? What? Oh, he's talking about Rob Bell. Oh, yes. So, folks, Not My Story to Tell has finished. May you enjoy your day. And... Um, Let's do it every moment. Be in God's presence. He's there. Just, just uh, it takes a while. We got to get in a habit. It's like it's not so much a habit; it's a mindset. So, I hope you were blessed with uh, with this, and um, we shall pick this up again sometime. And. Uh, this is my story to tell, which is related to someone who said, is this mine to do? That's very, also a good question. Is this mine to do? And I refer you to the super chill conversations at the Tequila and Sunshine podcast. So we'll do some cross, cross uh, marketing promotion. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody.